in Acts 26 and verse number 28. Agrippa said to Paul after his powerful appeal to him. He was in a dark season of his life, but he couldn't help but testify. And when he testified, it was so powerful that King Agrippa looked at him and he said, You know, Paul, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. What you had to say was so powerful that you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. I won't in any way touch the fullness of this story tonight, but uh, I have just a simple little thought that I'm going to preach to you. I want to preach to you tonight just from that one word where he said almost, almost, almost is one of the biggest words that there has ever been in the history of mankind. On a Sunday night, the preacher got up and preached, and I almost went to the altar. But I didn't. Woo! The Lord's going to do something in here tonight. Can we put our Bibles down? Let's lift our hands and our hearts towards heaven. God, I'm asking you to touch us in this place tonight. Lord, we can't do it without you. I need you in my body. I need you in my mind. I need you to touch my body and my voice tonight to declare the word of the Lord. I don't want to just be another voice flapping in the wind. I want to be a voice that you have anointed, that you have touched, that you put your hand on my life. I'm asking you, God, from the front row to the back row, to the overflow seating tonight, that the voice of God would be heard. That you would be the loudest voice. God, that you would hide me behind your cross. That everything that's done in this house would bring you glory. That you would be glorified. That the saints of God would be edified. And that the devil would be terrified as the church wakes up. In the name of Jesus, could we give the Lord a high praise tonight? Hallelujah. May the Lord richly bless you and you may be seated. I don't know tonight exactly uh, where we're going to end up before we're done, but I do feel like that God is about to help somebody in this place that has been teetering, wavering, vacillating between decisions. It is... uh, It's a painful place to be, to be in a land of I don't know what to do. When you're in a place that you don't know what to do, it's a a tough place. When you have no answers, it's a difficult place. But I want to just kind of move pretty quick to the direction that I'm going tonight. And I want to tell you that it is a tough place to be when you don't know what to do. But it's a horrible place to be when you know what to do and don't do it. And the Bible said that when Paul began to talk to King Agrippa, that whatever whatever it was that Paul said, I don't know what the trigger was. We could go into 
tonight to his defense before Agrippa. If we had time, I'd just preach that narrative. It's one of the most powerful expositional teachings and preachings that you can do. That in a dark season like that, your life is still being a witness. I want that to be the story of my life. That I don't just give up when the judge says it's time to give up. I don't just quit when they tell me it's time to quit. But when Paul could have made an appeal for his own life, he made an appeal for Jesus. And he took the time to tell Agrippa about the power of God working in his life. And he said to him, he said that Christ should suffer. And that he should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead. And should show light unto the people, unto the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, and much learning hath made thee mad. I'm here to tell you tonight, you have reached a whole new level of faith when you've fallen so in love with Jesus that the only thing they can do is look at you and say, you must be crazy. You must have lost your mind. You're standing before us right now, and we're trying to take your life, and the only thing you can do is talk about the goodness of the Lord. What is wrong with you that you wouldn't stand up and blaspheme God, that you wouldn't stand up and speak against God? That you wouldn't stand up and say something negative. The only thing you can say in the darkest hour of your life is that God is good. And that he paid the price. And because of him I'm standing here today. <laughs> he said, I'm not mad. Most noble Festus. But speak forth the words of truth and soberness. Do you know why it makes people uncomfortable when you act like that? Because it's convicting. The life that you live is convicting to people. When you live for God and you live separate unto the Lord and you live a life with conviction, people don't really hate what you're doing as much as they act like they do. When they raise their eyebrow and they raise their voice and they say mean things, but I'm going to tell you what it is. They don't hate you. And they don't hate God. They feel convicted. There is, there is something so incredible about God's people. You are the most resilient force in the earth. There are people in this room tonight that if there is an excuse to give up, if there would be an excuse, there's people in this room tonight that would have had that excuse. It's like the old song that we used to sing in the choir back in the day. I've been lied on, cheated Talked about, mistreated, used, scorned, talked about since I was born. Anybody remember that song? I've been up, I've been down, I've been almost to the ground, but long as I've got King Jesus. I'm not saying the road hasn't been weary, but I am saying God has been good. I'm not saying I've never been down, but I always had an up to look to. I'm not saying that I've never had a dark day, but I, don't, I do know where my light comes from. And I do know this, when my heart is overwhelmed, there is a rock that's higher than I. It's a place. And it's convicting. The only thing that Festus could say to him 
is you are nuts. Your learning's made you mad. You know, there probably could have been some things that he could have said to encourage Paul. I know you've had a hard time. I know things have been difficult for you. I know this has been a long season. But we're just here to be a blessing. Now, this is going to sound like I'm being negative, but I'm not at all. But I just want you to know, there's not going to be many times in your life that the world just cheers you on. I know I probably just depressed a bunch of you. There's not going to be a lot of times in your life that you're going to look around on a dark day and the old world's just going to be saying, come on, you can make it. Come on, you can do it. You're probably not going to go to your job and get real discouraged and there'll be a lot of people on your job say, pick up your head, kid. Come on. You can make it. You got this. But do you know where you're going to find that? You're going to find that in the kingdom of God. You're going to find that with the family of God. You're going to find that in the presence of God. Come on. You're going to find that in his presence. There's fullness of joy. And when the day is dark, the world needs to know it ain't dark enough to take this joy away because the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it from me. And so what we see is that Paul presents his case. And now King Agrippa and Festus both, they are seated in a position that they were not in before the day they encountered this man who had been indelibly marked by the hand of God. When he came in and should have had something negative to say, he glorified God. And now they're both seated in a posture that they had never experienced before Paul walked in the room. They didn't know what to do about these Christians. They didn't know what to think about this Christ. They didn't know what to think about the mighty God who robed himself in flesh. But now they're seated in a place where they know what to do. And now they're wrestling with the thought that now I've been told. Now I know. You know, that's the bad part about hearing preaching. Is you find out some things that you may not have known before. And you get reminded about some things that you did know. And the Lord gives you a nudge in the ribs. And now you know. Look, I'm just going to tell you, there have been a lot of times in my life that I've wanted to give up, and the Lord knew just what I needed to hear. I know that some of y'all think that I've got a hotline in this church, and I've got people that eavesdrop, and there's folks that sit around and listen, they got magic ears in, and everything you've been saying, everything you've been going through, they just send it to me. I got a hotline in my office. Oh, it's so funny. You'll preach something in the pulpit and people say, who told you? <laughs> well, I'm not saying there's probably not some gossip in the church. But I can tell you I'm not going to preach about it. <laughs> what I am saying is we got to quit looking at this as... I wonder who's been talking to pastor. And we got to look at this and say, I'm so glad the Lord knows where I am. I'm so glad he's mindful of me. I'm so glad of all the things he could have told that evangelist to preach. Of all the things he could have told my pastor to preach. Of all the things he could have told that missionary to preach. God thought enough of me to send me a word in due season. 
And this is what the Word of God does. It takes every excuse in your life away for giving up. It takes every excuse away for throwing in the towel. It takes every excuse away because when you get down and you get out, you realize you are not forgotten and God is with you and God is for you and God is fighting for you. Tell your neighbor tonight, be encouraged. The Lord knows where you are. And so now Agrippa is faced with quite the conundrum. I know what to do, but what am I going to do with it? And he looks at the Apostle Paul, and he basically says to him, this is not the King James Version, but he says to him, that was good preaching. That was a really convincing word. That was probably one of the best sermons that I've ever heard. But even that preaching isn't good enough to make me want to quit doing what I'm doing. Now this is not going to be popular. But I'm going to just throw this wet blanket out on the fire tonight and hope it don't put it out. I do realize that people have addictions. And I do realize that the world of addiction is real. But I'm going to tell you tonight, in a general statement, the number one reason that people continue in sin is not always just because they have a chemical addiction that they can't break. Put your seatbelts on. The greatest reason that people stay in sin is because they love it. The biggest reason they continue in it is because they like it. The biggest reason they keep on chasing the next drunk is because they like getting drunk. And they chase the next high because they like getting high. I'm not saying there's not people. Please don't think I'm being insensitive. I know there's people trapped in that world and they have a hard time. But if you have ever been in the presence of the Lord, you know for a fact you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live like that. If you've ever seen the power of God deliver, you know that you too can be delivered. Because God is not a respecter of persons. And he's not going to set your brother free and leave you bound. I'm here to tell you tonight that he is as powerful as he's ever been. And the reason why we get locked in it is because we love it. But if you'll fall in love with truth and you'll fall in love with the word and you'll fall in love with the church, you can be free. the truth I don't know exactly what kind of lifestyle Agrippa was living I can tell you this it was probably a pretty good one he lived pretty high on the hog if I could say it like that he was a king he had everything that he needed and this presents to us the issue of almost in his life the reason why he could not be persuaded is because he had a plan B Agrippa had enough in his life that he did not need what Paul was talking about to enjoy life. But I feel tonight there's somebody in here that needs to hear what I've come to preach. 
you have lived for so long standing at the edge of almost. You have walked to the, to the altar and you've almost committed. You have walked to the altar and you've almost repented. I'm talking about the tears were there. The passion was there. The prayer was there. The people were there. The support was there. And you felt it and maybe even prayed the prayer of repentance. And you almost got set free. But I'm going to preach real to you tonight. But the reason why you didn't get set free is because you walked right back into the same cycle that got you into it last time. And if you keep on going where you've been going, and you keep on talking to who you've been talking to, and you keep on hanging around the same people you've been hanging with, and you keep on looking at the same things you've been looking at, you're going to keep on falling in the same pitch you've been falling in. Come on. I'm not here to preach anything new to you, but I want to tell you that almost needs to be a thing in the past for you tonight. It's time to get beyond almost repentance. It's time to get delivered in this house. It's time for the presence of God. We are addicted in the church to feelings. There are certain feelings that we are addicted to. We love the rush of good church. We love what we feel when we have good church. And I'll be honest, I'm an addict. There's nothing better for me that I'd rather do than be in the house of God. I mean, I love church. I do not understand people that don't want to be in church. I don't. And, and, and I've had people say to me in years past, you know, well, it's because it's your job. No, I don't, I don't think you understand. I love his presence. I, lo- I love to be in the house of God. I mean, Lord, I'm ready right now to just start having a Christmas revival. Let's just get, let's just get it started. Let's get an evangelist in here. Let's, let's break out. Could you imagine? Let's see, what is this? Uh, what's the date today? 19th, Lord. We got, we got a month and six days between now and Christmas. We could have some throwdown smoking revival. But it, I'm telling you, it's funny. You watch people. You watch people. They start looking at their holiday calendar and they're like, now what are you going to do about church? Are you gonna to try to do? Uh, you gonna to try to do both services on Christmas Eve? I'm like, yeah, because if if you don't go get some more mac and cheese, you're not gonna survive. I mean, the holidays truly they true collars come out about a lot of things. But if there's anything revealed from Thanksgiving to New Year's Day. It's how many different ways your family can make mac and cheese. It's the truth. And pe- people are funny. But there's, there's nothing I'd rather do than be in the house of the Lord. And I realize I'm probably anomaly. I, I'm an anomaly. I, I love it. And I know some of you in this place love it too. Because when we have revival, you come. 
And the ones of you right now that are saying, when do we have the last revival? You're probably the ones that weren't here. <laughs> You're dismissed. God bless you. <laughs> I love it. But I'm going to tell you, we've got this little vacuum created in the church. Oh, Lord, it's going to get tight for about three minutes. Where we come in and we tap into the feeling. And we get a Sunday night rush. We get our foot tapping with the choir. Feel just a little twinge of victory. Maybe even make a step of faith out into the aisle and be like, I think I'm done living the way I'm living. Feels pretty good in here right now. But until you start making decisions in that moment right there. That I'm not going to be the same when I leave here. Oh, y'all were wanting me to preach something deep tonight. I'm saying on nights like this right here, it's not just about what you feel. It's not just about what you see. Can I preach to you right now? It's about what you decide. It's about how you make up your mind. It's about what you determine in your heart. Thank God for good church. But I'm not just here to have good church. I'm here to make up in my mind, I will never be stuck at almost again. I will never be almost delivered again. I will never be almost free again. I'm leaving here tonight, and it's going to be different from here out. Almost. And when you go home almost delivered, you lay down at night and you almost have peace. Come on, I'm preaching to you. I said when you go home almost delivered, you lay down at night and almost have peace. When you got to lay down at night, maybe you're different than me, but I'm just going to tell you how I was as a kid. If I got to go to bed at night and have a wrestling match of would I be ready if the trumpet sounded while I'm sleeping? You don't have peace. I wish some of you'd get a little more restless. Woo! Because we've got comfortable enough with that feeling that we've shook hands with and become friends. We can get desensitized to the feeling where since we don't have a good answer for the question, then we just act like the question doesn't exist. But I've been begging God, praying to God that he'd start wrestling up the bed of some of these prodigals and backsliders. I don't want them laying in a bed of perfect peace and sleep at night. I want them laying in bed at night saying, Lord, if the trumpet sounded tonight, would I make it? I don't want backsliders laying in bed and thinking there's still a chance because I went over to the sloppy agape coliseum church and they told me God wanted me to be happy. You know how a backslider deals with conviction if they want anything to do with God? They go find a church that tells them they can keep doing what they're doing and be saved. Because they almost love truth. But you know what somebody does when they don't, want, they don't want to just avoid the question. They want to be free. They square up their shoulders. 
and they come back home to the house of God and they don't care if people talk about them. They don't care if people judge them. They don't care about people's opinions. They don't care what people think. They would rather be free than liked. And I'm not saying that people have a right to be judgmental. But I'm just saying to you, when you get desperate enough to be free, you won't care what people say. What are you preaching, Pastor? I'm preaching that the reason Agrippa never made it past almost is because he didn't want to. That's it. I wish I had a deeper sermon than that. He never went further than that because he didn't want to. He loved this old world. He loved the wealth and the riches. That's how Jesus taught it. He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to be saved. He didn't say it's impossible. And he also didn't say you can't be rich. He just said it's going to be tough if you've always got a plan B. But I'm here to preach for, for, for somebody's life. I don't know who the Lord sent me here for tonight. But I'm here to reach for somebody and I'm literally preaching for your existence in this life and in eternity tonight. And I'm telling you the Holy Ghost sent me to this pulpit to give you one more nudge beyond almost. I tried a few months ago, Pastor, and I did the best that I've ever done. But I just couldn't get free. I almost made it. I understand that, sweetheart. But tonight that changes. Because there isn't a soul in here that cares about how many times you fell down. The only thing this church wants to know is that you got back up. And we're rooting you on tonight saying, get back up on your feet. His mercy endures all generations. We believe you can make it. We believe you can come out of this. We believe you can get up again. We believe you can sing again. We believe you can preach again. We believe God can use you again. Woo! Have you ever been sitting at home after you went to the grocery store? Sitting in your chair, and the very thing you left on the shelf was the thing you were hungry for when you got home. And you said, I almost grabbed a pack of those cookies. That's a horrible feeling, especially if you go grocery shopping on fast day. You want to know how to drain your bank account? Go grocery shopping during the fast. You will absolutely spend more money and you know what to do with. Man, I almost grabbed some of those. It's like that random thought comes to you in the grocery store. It's like the Spirit of the Lord just speaks to you. You need some nutmeg. And you get home and the thing you're going to make. 90% of the time or more that I avoid that little feeling I get standing there in the grocery store like, you need to get some of that. This is what I usually say. No, I think I already have some. Isn't that going to be the trick of the end time? I thought I had enough. 
Five wise, five foolish. God, I've come to preach on Sunday night. But when the night got dark, somebody ran out of oil because they didn't have enough. I believe out of those five foolish versions, there were a couple of them that almost had enough for sunrise. But almost didn't matter. When the bridegroom showed up, if you didn't have enough, you couldn't go see the groom. I'm here to tell you tonight, I don't want to almost have enough Holy Ghost. I don't want to almost be in the church. I don't want to almost be saved. I want to be so full of the Holy Ghost that it's flowing out of me like a rushing river of living water. Hallelujah. Can I just break it down Gerber style for you tonight? You can be seated. All I'm preaching to you tonight is there's nobody in this church or in this world that's going to accidentally make heaven your home. Nor is there anybody in this world that's going to accidentally go to hell. I'm telling you the truth. You're going to have to be intentional about this. So St. Clair, why do you preach holiness, separation? Why do you love this message so much? Don't you feel like you do a little too much? Can you imagine standing before the Lord? And he says, you know, you almost made it. That is not even biblical, Pastor. That is not how the Lord works. I am so thankful you brought that up. Because while I believe you can't outreach his mercy and his grace and it's all like it's immeasurable, it's beautiful. I want to tell you, when Jesus looked at the rich young ruler in his parable story, he told that rich young ruler in the story, he said, you've given to the poor. He said, you're a good man. Now, I hope you're all ready for this. Got your seatbelts on. He said, But one thing thou lackest. This is not comfortable preaching. And for those that always ask me, are you one of them hellfire brimstone preachers? I'm just a Bible preacher. That's all. And in the Bible, there does happen to be hellfire and brimstone. But there also happens to be walls of jasper, gates of pearl, street of gold. So I'm just going to tell you that the principal story of of the narrative when it comes to the rich young ruler, is somebody's going to be lost over one thing. If Jesus could have said it any other way in the parable, he could have said to him, man, you almost made it. But there was one thing in your life that you refused to turn loose of. That the only way I can explain it is that you love that more than you love me. One thing. 
And at that point, if that would have been the 21st century, the rich young ruler would have looked at him and said, is that a heaven or hell issue? So you're saying, pastor, I'm going to hell. I think the spirit of what he was saying is, I want you to love me. But there is no such thing as almost being in love with God. Because as Elder Johnny James, God rest his soul, as Elder Johnny James used to say, almost saved is always lost. Well, I just feel like I've got a different revelation of who he is. If your revelation is contrary to what the word says, it's not a revelation. It's deception. And it doesn't matter who you find to validate that doctrine. If it's contrary to the fullness of the scripture, it is deception. And you cannot be almost deceived. You're either deceived or you're not. I almost got baptized in Jesus' name. But I had already been baptized in the title, so I didn't. Sweetheart, I'm just going to tell you, there ain't never been a better time than right now on this Sunday night. If you have never been baptized in the only saving name of Jesus Christ, you ought to be baptized the way everybody in the New Testament church in the book of Acts was baptized. There was never a time that anybody was baptized any other way in the New Testament church than in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, ever. Well, but Pastor St. Clair, you're wrong because of Matthew 28 and 19. You're wrong. Matthew 28 19. Jesus said, be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 100%. I agree with you. But where you're missing it is he did not say to be baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. He said to be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So how do I know? It's so easy. We, re we recognize Him as the Father in creation. The Son in redemption and the Spirit in the church. And He never ceases to be any of those at any time because He has all power, 28 and 18, in heaven and in earth. The name is still the only saving name. And if you haven't been baptized in the name, we're missing it. It's almost saved. You know what it means? If your sins are almost washed away, I've been waiting, been dragging my feet, because I'm not sure if that's what I want to do. I've been praying about it. How long are we going to pray about the scripture? I've been praying about it. I don't know if I really believe the Holy Ghost is for everybody. Get you one touch, it'll answer the question. 
I'm telling you, you may not believe a word I'm saying, but I feel like there's some people who could testify in here. That when you get baptized in Jesus' name, and you come up out of that water, you have never in your life felt the load lift off of you like you feel when the name has been invoked. I'm talking about all your guilt, all your shame, all the reproach, everything you've done. When you come up out of that water, it's under the blood and the devil can't even see it. So it leads us to nights just like this. Pastor St. Clair was up there preaching, and he almost talked me into getting baptized. Woo! I was in that service when Pastor was preaching, and I got feeling, I got feeling conviction about the things I'd said about my brother and my sister. And I almost went to him. I've got a standard deal that I do at funerals. I get calls a lot. It's been a little while, but I get calls a lot to do funerals for people I don't even know. And the funeral home will contact me and say, these people don't have a pastor, they don't have a preacher, would you come do the funeral? And so it's kind of hard to go to a funeral and talk about memories when you don't know the person. And so I've got just kind of the standard procedure that I do at funerals. When I say this day's coming for all of us, we're all going to have to deal with this day. But don't get to this stage of your life and have some things that you wish you would have done. Don't, Don't let somebody in your life get to this stage and wish standing at their casket that you would have made that phone call. Don't stand at that casket with regrets. Look, I know this is probably crazy for a Sunday night, but I'm here on an assignment tonight. I'm not here to win any awards for being preacher of the year. I'm here to set somebody free in this house tonight. Do not stand at the graveside of somebody and wish that you would have made things right. When God gave you, don't you walk out of that conviction you feel in prayer meeting. And the day you get the call, they die saying, I almost made it right, but I didn't. Woo! Boy, it got pretty heavy in here pretty quick. Can you imagine standing before the Lord? The Lord looking in your book. And saying, I really want to let you in. But you got some unforgiveness and bitterness in here. What is this? Can you imagine looking at the Lord and saying, about that. I almost forgave them. But Lord, if you only knew the struggle that they caused in my life. Lord, if you only knew how hard they made it for me, you know what his response is going to be? I do know. And my grace was sufficient for you to forgive them and move on to healing and wholeness so that you could stand before me right now. Look, I'm going to tell you, judgment day 
is a terrible time to decide you want to do right. I almost got back right with God. I almost started playing music again. I almost got back in the choir. I almost made things right with the Lord. How many Sundays do we have that we can almost get it right? Because there's going to come a day for all of us that it's going to be the, we don't know when it's going to be, but it's going to be the last service we get to walk into. Be the last Sunday night service you ever attend. Be the last Sunday morning service you ever sit through. I'm going to tell you this is crazy. I've seen people look at me funny. We'll talk about it if you want to sometime. But I believe we've got scriptural precedence for it. I believe for some people eternity is going to be harder and more difficult. When they live all eternity. Living in a place that was not created for them. And somehow on God's eternal PA system, however that works, I believe that they're going to hear sermons that they ignored. They're going to hear sermons on like this Sunday night for all eternity when the preacher was saying, there's no time like today. There's no time like the present. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the acceptable time. God have mercy. How good does it have to be, Agrippa? How persuasive does he have to be? You don't realize this now, Agrippa, but the guy that just preached to you is writing two-thirds of the New Testament. He's going to be one of the most revered and most powerful preachers to ever go down in history. And I just want to tell you, Agrippa, if he can't get it done, it ain't going to happen because Paul ain't the one that makes the decision. He's got to preach it, and you've got to respond to it. If you're not careful, Agrippa, you're going to die with the curse of almost hanging over your head. I'm here to reach for somebody tonight. I'm here to reach for somebody on that camera tonight. I'm here to reach to somebody that's watching online. And I'm here to tell you, you almost came to church tonight. You almost went back home. You got to push beyond almost. It's to, I don't care where you live or where you moved. You ought to find the closest apostolic Pentecostal church to where you're living and go home. Don't go for another week saying, I almost went back. It's time to get back. It's going to be a little brazen. I'm not trying to be rude, but I don't care if you're watching this tonight and you're drunk as Cooter Brown. I don't care if you're watching this and you're high on dope. I don't care if it's Tuesday morning and you're just listening to this for the first time and you were drunk all weekend. Get up and go to church somewhere this week. Let God restore you. Let mercy reach you. God have mercy. I feel something on me tonight. I'm almost done. <laughs> but, but, but pastor, I've just, I've fallen so much. 
You know, I want to show you something about Psalm 73. Psalm 73 and 2. This is one of the most powerful scriptures. He said, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. You know, some people are having a time breaking through because they almost backslid. I made a mistake. I did something stupid that I shouldn't have. So the next service, the devil keeps you out because your feet were almost gone. Well, I, I did something silly, yeah. My steps had well nigh slipped when I beheld the prosperity of the wicked. Go ahead, verse 3. He said, I was envious when I saw that. And this is what messes with people's mind. They start looking at foolish people. They start looking at corrupt people and wicked people. And it looks like to a backslider that those people are being prosperous and God's not doing anything to them and they get by with everything. Man, I've had way too many meetings for you to convince me different because somebody will backslide and when they walk in, they say, well, you know so-and-so did. I'm like, whoa. I'm not here to talk about so-and-so. If their feet slip, that's on them. We're not here right now to talk about what they've been doing. I'm here to tell you, mercy's still reaching for you. God have mercy. Let's go, let's go to the fourth verse. There's no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. Go ahead, verse 5. They are not as in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. He goes on and on and on. Watch this. He says, until I went to the sanctuary. I had almost slipped. My feet were almost gone. Look. I'm not trying to overcomplicate this tonight, but I want to tell you, just because you made a mistake does not mean God washed his hands of you. Just because you made a mistake does not mean that you are backslid. It means you fell. God have mercy. Are you hear what I'm telling you tonight? But Proverbs 24 and 16 says a just man a just man, a just man, God, I can't preach it better than that. A just man falleth seven times. What makes him a just man? He falls seven times, but he rises up again. I've Devil, you don't get the final say. I almost believe the lie, but then I got up.
I almost believed that I wasn't good enough for his grace. I almost believed that I wasn't good enough for his mercy. I almost believed the lie. But devil, I've come to tell you, almost ain't going to work with me anymore. I realize that I'm a human being and I'm going to make a mistake, but I'm not going to stay there. I'm getting back up again. I missed five services and I almost backslid. But you're not backslid. You're in the house of the Lord. I'm going to close with this. I got to hurry. Matthew 14. 14, 24. The ship was now in the midst of the sea. Tossed with the waves for the wind was contrary. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, Is it a spirit? They cried out for fear. Straightway, Jesus spake unto them, said, Be of good cheer, it's high, be not afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And was Peter, when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water To go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. I can't tell you how many times I've heard this preached. That people say he stepped out of the boat. And when he took his eyes off Jesus, he sank. That is not what the word says. The word said he was beginning to. I want to tell you something about Peter. He didn't sink. He almost did. Peter didn't sink. Peter began to sink. And when he began to sink, oh my God, help me tonight. When he began to sink, immediately he stretched out his hand. I'm talking about he almost went under, but he knew where to reach. He almost went under, but he knew where his help was. I'm here to tell you tonight, you haven't sunk too deep. You haven't gone under. God's not through with you. It's just almost. I wish somebody would get the victory right now. You just tell the devil, I'm not going under. I'm not giving in. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. Come on, you're just beginning to backslide. You're not backslid. You're just beginning to lose hope. You haven't lost hope. Reach that hand up tonight. There's a helper in the house. There's a healer in the house tonight. I'm going to tell you. If there was a way that I could preach this different and get somebody to respond, I'd do it. But if you don't hear the message that I'm preaching to you tonight, it's not because I'm a good preacher. 
But there ain't a human being in the world that can convince you if what you've heard tonight don't convince you. If I could preach this sermon to you in 30 to 60 seconds, I've come on this Sunday night to tell you the devil is a liar. God is not finished. And you have not sank. You were about to. But there is a hand that's reaching down to you tonight. It's time to get back up. It's time to find victory in the house. Come on, I don't care what the devil's been lying to you about. He's been telling you all week you're backslid because you made a mistake. No, I'm not. I almost was, but I found my way back to the house of God. You almost had me, devil. You almost had me convinced. I thought because I made a mistake, it was fatal. I thought I'd made the big doozy. How big does it have to be for it to deplete mercy? Think about that. Think about that when you lay down tonight. I'll make you a promise. If you can deplete his mercy, you have set a world record that has never been touched. But I'm going to tell you this in the Holy Ghost tonight. You are not as far away as the devil wants you to believe you are. I'm old-fashioned enough to believe he is as close as the mention of his name. And if you'll take a step toward him tonight and reach up, there'll be a hand reaching down. I believe he's going to pick you up, turn you around, set your feet on solid ground. Anybody believe that in this house tonight? Come on, let's find that place tonight. Let's push beyond almost. I don't want to beg you tonight. I'm not going to beg you to step out in the aisle. I'm not going to beg you to come forward. But I'm telling you, God's not done with you. God's not done with you tonight. Come on. Reach out and let him touch you right now.